Hey everybody, my name is Laura and I would really enjoy to read the Bible with you today. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version and it is Mark chapter 1 verses 21 through 39. Let's begin. They went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Well, good morning, friends. I would love it if you would take a moment just to say hello if you haven't greeted anyone yet in the comments. You know, in this time where we can't be together, we can be connected if we engage with one another. So again, just an encouragement for you to engage and as we continue in the teaching for you to engage with it in that way as well. In our reading today, and thanks Laura for doing that reading, we get a snapshot of like one or one and a half days in Jesus' life. And if you look at it, I mean, it was a productive day. He had time for people and conversations and even interruptions. In just this one episode, Jesus goes to church, if you will, synagogue. He drives out a demon. He heals one of his friend's family members. Then he enjoys dinner and conversation with those friends. He then heals many more from the crowds who show up at the house, and it goes late into the evening. And yet Jesus still gets up early to spend time with his father. And when his followers come and interrupt that time, he tells them he needs to leave that area to teach and reach a new group of people. I mean, Jesus was so purposeful with his time that even in the busyness of that day, he never appears too busy. I wonder if the same can be said of us. Do you ever feel like you're too busy? And what does your time look like these days? And what does your pace of life look like these days? Would you say that time 
is a barrier to loving your neighbors like Jesus. I know before COVID, I could definitely say that. And I, I've just started to ponder, do I live at a pace that allows me to be available to those around me? Well, as we consider this reading and we consider the questions that I've asked, I reached out to some friends to help me in this discussion of time and if it's a barrier for our life and what we can do to remove that barrier. And so we recorded earlier in the week, and before we transition to that, I just want to pray for our time together. Lord God, we know that you are the author of life, and you are the keeper of time. You designed time, you created time, and we get to live within time. You are outside of it, but you invite us to meet you in the present moments. So I pray, God, that you would speak to us in this time, in the present moment, whenever we're watching this, and that you would speak to us about our time and about how we can redeem our time for you and your glory. Lead us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I'm here with Mark and Julie Morgenstern. Yes, that name might sound familiar. <laughs> Daniel Morgenstern does know them, has known them actually his whole life because uh, they're his parents. So there's my dad joke. I got, you know, I almost made it 30 seconds. Um, but the reason I asked them if they would join us today is because we've been in this series called Love Thy Neighbor, and we've talked about the bias barrier uh, that our own prejudices somehow give us these barriers to sharing the love of Christ, showing and sharing the love of Christ with others. And so mm -hmm. we talked about bias, we talked about fear, and today we really want to talk about time. Uh, because I think that even though um, COVID has happened and lockdown has happened and we've suddenly gotten more time, uh, that hasn't necessarily equated for all of us into loving our neighbors, mm -hmm. um, at least better. So um, I'm reminded in the story of the Good Samaritan that the religious people want to know who is my neighbor, mm -hmm. but Christ-centered people want to know how can I be a good neighbor. Mm. And so um, that's what I hope we get to talk about today is how we can be good neighbors mm -hmm in this understanding of time. So you guys served with, you still serve with Grow to Serve, mm -hmm. uh, which is an organization that trains missionaries. Mm -hmm. And you guys aren't just teachers. You spent 12 years in the Ukraine mm -hmm. um, practicing this. Um, so yes. I would love to know, um, you brought kids over there, if I remember, mm -hmm. if I'm doing the math right. And so um, some people, Ukraine is an Eastern Bloc country, or is it mm -hmm. technically more of a Russian country? Well, as part of the Soviet Union, there okay. was 15 republics that made up the Soviet Union, and one of them was Russia and one was Ukraine. And so when it all broke up, we, we actually went there about a year after it broke up, and that's the first time we started ministering there. Wow. And it was a really incredible time to be there because, first of all, they had been forbidden to interact with spiritual ideas for like 70 years. So people were so interested. It was very trendy to want to learn about spiritual things. And people were sincerely hungry for that. And it was in their history and it was deep in their heart to want that 
learning about God and growing close to God, but they'd been held back from it. And then the other thing that was really cool about it was this time when everything was just turned upside down. Life was economically crazy. People were out of their jobs. The factories were closing. Everything was just, the stores were empty. So life was just turned upside down. So people were like, okay, so now what's life going to be about? How are we going to orient our life? And to bring spiritual truth into that, it was just a really exciting time. The longer we were there and the more stable things got over 12 or 13 years, people started settling into the, Hmm. the stable almost suburban life so kind of sounds like uh it was a pandemic yes that's what i was going to say you (laughs) took the words right out of my mouth in that that's probably a really good example for Mm. us today that this is the moment that people need relationship they need to talk about eternal things so your whole job and focus in the ukraine was to love people where they were at build relationships with them show Christ to them, share Christ with them. Mm-hmm. That was your full-time job. Yeah, It was. And, and we often think of Second Thessalonians um, 2, 8, where it talks about, I didn't come here just to share the gospel, to be there among you, to love you, to be one of you. And so that's as, I think that's a great definition of a missionary, is one mm-hmm. that goes in and just becomes a part of the community wherever you are living. Um, So you can be a missionary here locally. What do you think the similarities are between your work in the Ukraine and then for the last number of years, almost 14, I think, in the United States? um, What are some of the similarities you found, not just with your work, but as you're living and breathing in conversations? Go ahead. Let's fight over the mic. One thing that I think of is, I just remember a turning point when we were in Ukraine, because it's one thing, you know, most of most everyone that's listening here at the church aren't full-time ministers of the gospel. That's not their full-time job. And yet we're all called to that. And so while we were there, um, there was a part of me that was trying to constantly break it into two segments. It was, oh, I have this life, and I got to get, find friends that were lived in Russia and Ukraine and got to know them. And I have this life over here, the sweet life. And then I do my job. Mm. Well, it was really hard to do that when ministry just happens whenever a ministry happens, God brings interruptions right. and those are blessed interruptions. If we look at them that way, that God's leading and bringing people to us. But we kept saying we have friends and then we have projects and that, mm. that, became really harsh sounding when we started realizing that we were looking at some people as projects and that is something we could bring home with us so here in the united states we're still full-time ministers we are online we're mentoring missionaries all over the world and so we could kind of break up our our the way we think about our work and our ministry and our life um, into segments which is is not healthy and we also don't want people to ever think that they're our project. We had to come to that realization that do we love people? Do we really love people? And I loved what you asked before about neighbor. Um, oftentimes we, we, f- we feel like we need to define who those neighbors are so then we know how. Um, I think the better um, definition for us was been 
we don't say showing kindness and love to our family or extended family, that doesn't count as our neighbor. That's just naturally who we are. We love our family and it's almost loving ourselves. But we have to get beyond that and beyond that it's everyone else and not just some projects and these friends. Friends are just as much our neighbor as these other people too. And so we we just started talking about with one another, how much do we love people mm-hmm. and how does that look like? And do you think that translates the same in Ukraine as it does in the United States? That idea of friend versus yeah, project? Absolutely. Um, because one of my teachers in seminary said, you know, in reality, all all ministry is cross-cultural ministry because if we've been really transformed by our walk with Christ, mm-hmm. we see the world differently. We organize our life differently. So if we are going to really go out and love our neighbor and be in their life and, and find ways to connect with them in meaningful yeah. ways, we're going to have to make it our job to understand them and to work at that and love them enough to be willing to do that. And that was the same as what we had to do in Ukraine, where it was this, uh, it had that Christian, non-Christian barrier, but then there was also this American-Ukrainian. Well, there's still this huge jump to go over to really understand our neighbor and love them. What would you you say to someone who is saying, I just don't know how to make time. Like, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh I shouldn't split up my life. I shouldn't see people as projects. But how do I make time for this. A, a really key piece is how, how integrated is your life? So if you've got it inside of you segmented of like, okay, I go off to work and that's my almost God empty part of my life. And then all well, the rest of my life where I get to make my own decisions, that's where I have, if God's flowing into everything in, and inside of you, you're seeing it that way, it's going to come out in your conversation not in the browbeating evangelist kind of way, but in a person that just naturally, it's on your lips. Mm. Here's something I've been learning. Here's something that's been encouraging. And I think that if, if we, we don't want to be preaching that kind of segmented gospel anyway, yeah. that there's segments of your life that God doesn't go into. We, we want to see God. So the more it's true in your own life, the more naturally it's going to be like, I, I, I'm going to, I, I do talk to people at work, and it might take 25 conversations over three years yeah. that are each three I minutes long, little, micro yeah. conversations that are very natural because I really care about that person and have a relationship. Um, and that was part of the hard thing as missionaries is you have these supporters that are constantly wanting you to report numbers and results. And, and you're like, well, real ministry is not controllable like that. And it takes time and, and God controls the timing of it. And that's probably the same way it is with your neighbors, with mm. people at work, with even extended family members. It's going to go at, t- at God's pace. Okay. So, so I'm what re- I heard from mm-hmm. that to just to, you know, for, for our listeners and our congregation, um, one of the first answers to that question of how do I make time is, is actually to ask a question before that and say, how segmented or how integrated is your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. So I'm going to give some practical ideas with that is that if if you're not having those spiritual conversations with your kids mm. where you have to go okay I have to sit down and have to think it through and what I'm going to talk to Johnny about today these are those are your practice sessions with your kids 
And ever since they were little, you talked about how much Jesus loved them. And just keep on through their teenage years. Have those spiritual conversations with your kids daily. Well, what would God? I just wrote a text to my son. My son sent me a text. I could tell he was stressed about something. And I said, you know God's got this. Mm. Trust him with that. Those are those kind of conversations that you have to be having with your spouse. After church on Sunday, turn to a person and say, what did God do in your Mm. life this week? And it's a check on each one of us because we've noticed that if somebody asks me that and I stop and think, I am drawing a blank. Because do you think God stopped working in my life this week? No, I just wasn't paying attention. And I didn't spend the time talking with him and looking and listening um, for him in my life. Um, I didn't give him any time. He had all the time in the world for me. And so that's something we realize that if we're not talking about it daily with our spouse, about what God's doing in our lives, what, with our children, with the people at church that are the safest people to talk about, start asking that question to each other after church every Sunday. What's God doing in your life? And then that kind of speech just flows in your other relationships. Yeah, so for especially any, what I heard capture in that is any age and stage, mm-hmm. you know, those after church conversations become you know, after the worship gathering conversation become real intentional or, you know, it gives another, just another importance to highlight of being in a small group. It's practice with other people so that the other conversations don't seem quite as scary or as quite as difficult. And then we've kind of thought to ourselves, the reverse should also be true. Don't think that the things that you would normally talk about with brothers and sisters in Christ of something you're excited about that God did, why would you think the person at the desk next to you wouldn't want to hear some good news that happened with you? Mm. Um, so, so don't hold back sharing your good stories that have spiritual truth in them with people that maybe aren't believers, because if they're a relationship with you, they'd, they'd want to hear it because it's, yeah. it's good news. So as you um, transition back to the Midwest, um, I'm imagining, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't been to Ukraine, but Midwesterners, we're a peculiar bunch. We're not always direct, but yet we're super scheduled. And for for many of us, we're quite competitive, whether it's work, home, play. How, um, what was that transition like as you were raising teenagers, continuing your mission work, but now you're planted in a place that, you know, is very different from the 12, 13 years that you spend in Ukraine, or I'm imagining it was. What what felt different? How did you go about that? So you're very correct. We're, I don't know if we're any more scheduled here in the Midwest than other places in America, but in America as a whole, yes, we are overly scheduled. Um, we're task-oriented, where the Ukraine culture is relationship-oriented. And so uh, we learned right away in my first week here, we visited a church, a uh, gal asked me, oh, stop by any time and we can visit. And I took her literally to stop by any time and I stopped by her house and she was very surprised and I didn't leave until three hours later, which then years later, I went back and apologized to her and said, sorry, I was on Ukraine time. And I just, that's what you do in Ukraine. You stop by any time and everything else comes to a halt. The relationship matters. Um, that's a beautiful thing. And it was something we wanted to keep up with, but we ran into the American culture. And we 
grew up here in America. So we jumped right back into that scheduled mm. way of doing. So we had to kind of start switching gears and say, so how do we keep relationships as number one in our lives? And we've struggled along the way. Um, but I would say some of our best advice would be put it as a part of your own schedule. So if you're, our, we have four boys, they were all scheduled in all sorts of athletics. Now we limited the number of sports they could do because we didn't want that to overrun our life. But that uh, we would sit at baseball games talking to the parents and we'd go there because we wanted to watch our son play. But more importantly, I wanted to make relationships with people. And so I'm an avid reader. And so I joined book clubs. Mm -hmm. I talked to other people that like reading. Um, maybe we'll talk about this a little later, but uh, if I'm going to read in the house, if I'm going to read anyway, I read in front of my house um, so that people can see me. Not in the middle of winter, mind you, um, but um, I, I'm just out there doing the things that I love, but ready to have one of those blessed interruptions that God would bring into my life. Yeah, I think there's two things you can do with living in a culture that's very purposeful and scheduled is then make sure in a spiritual way you make those decisions. So if you're going to add one more thing onto your schedule, make sure that that's really, run, you know, work that through with God. Is this something I really should? And then once you've worked that through and you've decided, yeah, I know I'm supposed to add this to my life, then say, okay, and then I'm assuming God has me here for a purpose. So if I'm going to be sitting at the baseball game because we purposefully decided to be in baseball as a family, then God probably has something here for me. I'm looking for it. Yeah. I'm watching for it. Are my, are my eyes and my ears and my heart open mm -hmm. to the people that are around me in whatever I say yes mm -hmm. to? Yeah. Um, and knowing those. And then, Julie, you added... Um, something that uh, you just touched on it, this idea of if I'm going to read anyway, why not read where in the, you said the front porch or the front yard, like where I could be interrupted. Yeah. And I think that idea of um, making time is less about trying to add one more thing to our schedule or take one more thing away and looking holistically and saying, where am I spending time and where could I interact with people mm -hmm. in ways that would bring God glory, in ways that would bring conversation or demonstrate the kingdom of God in each of these ways? And so mm -hmm. this idea yeah. of reading in the front porch is beautiful. I don't know if you've done this yet, but I think as a church this week, one of our challenges can be if, if you spend an hour in your backyard, just transfer that an hour to the front yard mm -hmm. and... And being purposeful about that hour. It may be all at once. It might be in 10-minute chunks. Um, probably a more extended time gives you a greater chance of actually running into a neighbor. And then you don't have to force an agenda. Just pray for an opportunity. You yeah. know, you don't have to make it happen yourself. And I think uh, we need to be open to what God leads us to do. And so these kind of conversations help us to go, huh, I could do that. But there was a moment in time that Mark and I feel like we're mentoring missionaries all over, over the world in cross-cultural relationships. And we don't have that many cross-cultural relationships here. Apple Valley. And in Apple Valley, which we could because it's a growing number of 
immigrants moving to our area. And so we, we just said, Lord, we just feel like bereft of, of relationships that have, that have any other culture, but the suburban culture around us. And, um, as we're praying, thinking, well, we need to get involved in a ministry downtown and how are we going to make that happen? We don't have the time to add something more to our schedule. And then within a month, um, a Somali family moved in next door with four sons who yeah. apologized to us that they had four sons. And then I introduced them to our four sons, um, which bonded us right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then now we've been counting all the different internationals families we're getting to know around our within five houses we said some from mm-hmm. ethiopia um somalia new zealand and and sweden and wow. so we're like oh we're sitting there but god brought that to to us and then then it was how do we get to know our neighbors and a friend of ours said move your picnic bench to the front yard okay and I wanted to start learning how to barbecue. It was my own personal, selfish, I want to learn how to barbecue well. So we moved our barbecue out front. And so I stand out front learning how to barbecue. This was all last summer. And we ate three or four times a week outside. And neighbors started coming and joining us really? and talking to us and having dessert with us or bringing a, a glass of wine or um, this. And so now we're doing our second summer and it's growing. Um, but it's, Things that I wanted to do anyway, or we want to do it's, anyway. I, a lot of it's just positioning yourself as I'm friendly, I'm not in a hurry, I'm mm-hmm. available. And we, we started to notice that our, the way our neighborhood's configured with the sidewalks and such, we just have a lot of traffic of, of people walking by on our sidewalk. So we just are there to just say hi, be friendly, and sometimes people stop and talk oh. a little. and. And everybody's situation might be something slightly different. So you need to observe the situation that God's put you into and then seize those moments and pray. It sounded like it started with a heart cry of realizing like something was kind of disintegrated or not not lined up in your life, not aligned. Mm -hmm. And then realizing uh, uh, that breaks my heart. um, And God, I want to please you in this. So moving that to prayer mm-hmm. and then seeing that God brought internationals to, to your neighborhood. Right. And then rather than seeing them as different, just seeing an opportunity to position yourself. I mean, moving your picnic table to the front yard doesn't sound like it was rocket science. I mean, it almost sounds like, did this really work? Uh, exactly. I feel like and we need to have like a one eight hundred number at the bottom or something move, of this. Right, right. Like really, truly, for <laughs> four easy installments of nineteen ninety five, we can get you a front porch picnic table. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's a magic one. Exactly. And but that is such a simple fix. But do you know how many people asked us why'd you do this? Neighbors would go, "Oh, why are you sitting out here so I can meet you?" And Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just opened. And just a few weeks ago, I felt like God said to me, invite a bunch of neighbors over for Sunday Sundays. And so we did. And I just invited six homes and representatives from three of the households came. One whole wow. family and a, and a mom and stayed. They stayed around for hours. And we had said, just come eat ice cream and leave. Just 
just let's celebrate that we can be free from stay at home, yeah. stuck into the house. And it, I think the key is one thing you just said. We often, when a, we feel amiss about something, we make our plan and then we ask God to bless it. Mm. And instead, before you even take your piece of paper out to think about your plan and what would work with your schedule, <laughs> just ask God because he's got a better way. Yeah. He's got a better way. We watched the uh, Mr. Rogers movie, I think, Won't yep. You Be My Neighbor, um, yep. a few months ago. And the line that really stuck out to me was he's talking to this journalist that's there to interview him, and he says, do you know what's the most important thing in the world for me right now? You know, and, and the guy's probably expecting him to say, you know, world peace or you know, the racial problems or, and he says, talking to you. So he's saying, you know, what's right in front of me is what God wants me to seize the moment of what's right in front of me. It's pretty powerful. It's, it's unbelievably powerful. And we see that in the life of Jesus over and over. Our reading today um, is from Mark chapter one, and it's this whirlwind of ministry for Jesus who starts in the synagogue um, teaching. He's with the religious people. Then he goes to a home with his friends and followers. And then he, um, people show up at the house. So he makes time for the crowds. And then even amidst all that healing, it goes late into the night and he gets up early in the morning to spend time with his father. And then when the crowds come back and his followers say, hey, you've got you've to go do this. He says, no, I've got to go to these other places because that's what the father has for me. There's such an intention behind what Jesus does and a focus, mm -hmm. how do you determine where you put that focus? What have you learned both overseas and here in working with missionaries and in your own neighborhoods about like what to say yes to and what to say no to? Mm -hmm. I think it comes back to spending time with the Lord like, like Jesus did with his father. Mm -hmm. So I went for a walk with my neighbor next door and um, I do walks anyway, but I'd never had the idea, well, maybe I should ask my neighbor if he wants to go for a walk with me. And, but while I was praying one day, it came to my mind from God, ask Jim if he wants to go for a walk with you. So we walked for like two hours and talked. Um, there's a couple people I've called during this COVID time where it's like God just kind of put it into my mind. Why didn't you offer them if they'd be interested in having a phone conversation? So I think it really starts from that. And then the other piece is, you know, most of the time God works through things that um, you, you see a need and you actually have something that you can contribute to it. Because we oftentimes our hearts, you know, are pulled by needs that we see and we're like, that's so tragic. I want to be able to do something. But really you aren't able to. And most of the time God has you do things you actually can do. Occasionally, he'll pull us into things where it's like, go do what you, you are not the right person for this at all, but still go do it. Mm -hmm. But those don't happen very often. Most of the time, it's like God makes it obvious that there's a need and there's a resource you have, and those come together. Mm. So don't be intimidated that God's going to be pushing you all the time into the really, you know, way outside your comfort zone. And I just want to repeat that, that we have to go to God um, for him to empower us to know the right things to do and when. And we're so pushed. And even this morning, I think I've just been pushed with schedule and I haven't had my time with God. And I used to think, oh, 
this daily quiet time. It's just a to-do, another to-do list. And and I'd fight it. And yet, um, just this la- during this stay-at-home time, I was um, actually facilitating a spiritual warfare class. And so you can imagine the conversations that were going on and um, what Satan's de- doing to us with the toxic thoughts and mm-hmm. the fear and the stress and the anxiety. And um, in the midst of this, I met with a man that is that was a missionary in France for years and years and dealt with a lot of spiritual warfare up in the mountains in France. And he's in his late 60s now, maybe early 70s. And he's told me um, the way I spend, I'm retired. And he goes, retired, quote unquote. But he says, I spend my first two to three hours in prayer every day, just talking to God music, reading, interacting. And I'm thinking, oh, it's because he's retired. You know, that was my conclusion. And the reason why he did it was because he's counseling people, mm. dealing with with attacks from Satan and dealing yeah. with anxiety and fears. And he said, why do I think I have anything worth sharing with them if I don't spend time with the Father? I hope to be like that one day. Yeah. And I will give him what I can give him now. Um, But I know that if I don't spend the time with him, I will not have the power to do anything that's eternally worth anything. (laughs) Well, it sounds a lot like what we've been saying the whole series is um, we love God and we love others. And we remember that God loved us first Mm -hmm. and God loves those neighbors Regardless of if we see them as neighbors, God loves them so much. One of the key things of being a missionary is just being willing to have your life turned upside down Mm. because you love those people enough that you'd say, I'd be willing for that. I'd be willing for my kids to live far away from their grandparents, or I'd be willing to always feel like a two-year-old constantly for years and years because I can't, you know, I can't speak the language or the dogs out in the street seem to know more Russian than I do, you know, so you feel like a two-year-old, but you, you're willing to do that um, because God's asked you to do it and you love the other people enough. So I think if we mm. can say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to kind of take a reality check on life of what's really important and let some of those yeah. other things get turned upside down and God's going to be faithful. He's going he's gonna to bring me joy in the midst of that. Mm. And uh, you're going to find real life in the midst of that. That's good. <laughs> well, if you miss that, uh, Mark said, be friendly, be available, and be willing to let God turn your life upside down. So maybe this week for you, it's, it's not just, God, can I spend uh, one hour on the front, in the front yard? It's also, um, God, I'm giving you this half hour, or I'm giving you this hour to also be available to whatever you bring to me. Um, Whether that's uh, the name of someone that might not live right around you, but that is your neighbor that God is asking you to to reach out to. Um, Whether that's a family member or someone who you had previously considered an enemy. But I'm going to give you this, this time, uh, not as a test, but more as an offering and a sacrifice. Because uh, if you can turn over a moment or an hour to God, it's going to be easier for you to turn over a day to God. 
which is going to be easier to turn over a week to God, which is going to be easier to turn over a month to God, which is going to be easier to turn over your life to God. So Mark and Julie, thank you for sharing your life and being willing to turn over your lives to Jesus. And that's our prayer today is that this time barrier is less about making time and more about turning our lives over to the one who gave us life, who redeems us and sustains us. So thanks and thank you.